We are in the midst of our God at the Movies series, and this week's movie is Coco. I absolutely love what this movie evokes about death, remembrance, and even the practice of communion. The movie Coco was created by Disney Pixar Studios, and you can tell because the animation is absolutely stunning. The story of Coco is set in Mexico, and it centers on the Rivera family that has banned music from their household because one of its patriarchs left the family to pursue a career in music and then never came back. However, the movie's main character, Miguel, is a 12-year-old boy who loves music. In fact, he wants to become a musician like his hero, Ernesto de la Cruz. But Miguel's family would never allow such a thing because they believe music is a curse. On Dia de los Muertos, in desperation, Miguel goes to steal the guitar from the tomb of Ernesto de la Cruz so that he can enter a music competition to fulfill his dream of becoming a musician. Well, in that moment, something magical happens, and Miguel becomes like one of the dead who return once a year uh, to visit their families who still remember them on Dia de los Muertos. Miguel obviously gets freaked out and only begins to feel better once he runs into some of his dead family members in the cemetery. Well, once his family sees that he's like them but still has the form of a living boy, they freak out. And they bring him back to the land of the dead so that Miguel's great-great-grandmother, Mama Imelda, can fix this fiasco. If you're unfamiliar, let me give you a quick cultural backdrop. Dia de las Muertas, Day of the Dead, is a two-day festival celebrated every November 1st and 2nd. It's most commonly associated with the nation of Mexico, but it's celebrated by Latinx people all over. It has both Aztec and Roman Catholic roots, and you'll notice that the dates, November 1st and 2nd, align with the Christian Holy Days, All Saints Day and All Souls Day. The common belief is that the dead would be offended by sadness and mourning. So that's why the Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos, is a party, a fiesta. Well, another part of the cultural practice of Dia de los Muertos is setting up a table or a shrine, which is called an ofrenda. The purpose of the ofrenda is to remember loved ones lost and to honor their memory. It's a beautiful expression. All Saints Day in the Christian tradition attempts to do a similar sort of thing, yet it's not quite as dramatic as the ofrenda. Oftentimes, the ofrenda has food or clothing or tokens that were meaningful to the loved ones who are now dead. These physical and tangible symbols create a visual space and evoke deeper memories and keep family members connected to their larger family history, to their family story. And these stories help create an identity that stretches beyond one's self. I don't know if most people setting up ofrendas on Dia de los Muertos actually believe that the literal spirits of their loved ones cross over from the land of the dead and inhabit the space with them in their celebrations. But I see some interesting similarities to the Christian practice of communion and remembrance of Christ's Last Supper with his disciples before he was crucified. So I want to look at how our practice of communion connects what is fragmented and helps us remember the one who brings us all together. Our scripture text in 1 Corinthians 11 was written to a church that was fragmented and disconnected. 
There were divisions along class lines. People were competitive with one another. Some boasted that they were more spiritual than others. And just a few decades after Jesus' death and resurrection, this church had lost the meaning of the Lord's Supper, the practice of communion. So let's see how the Apostle Paul instructed this church to heed Christ's words in the Last Supper, to do this in remembrance of me. In his teaching about communion, Paul points out, uh, he points back to the meal's origins. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. The first thing we learn about the Lord's Supper is that it connects the present to the past. Anytime we receive communion, we remember the night that Jesus was with his disciples for their last supper before his crucifixion. That first meal that we commemorate in our practice of communion is tied to the grand vision and message that Jesus proclaimed. When Jesus offered bread to his disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. And when he offered the cup of wine saying, this is the cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, Jesus made a huge point. In his act of self-giving love, Jesus launched the beginning of the restoration of all that was and is broken so that all people in all creation might be made whole again. When you partake in this meal, you are connected to the past to that night. That's the first thing that we learn about the Lord's Supper. The second thing we learn about uh, the Lord's Supper from our text is that it connects your heart to its true home in God. I want to come back to the movie Coco now. While Miguel is in the land of the dead, he and his guide Hector go to a part of town called the land of the nearly forgotten. According to the story, the spirits of, in the land of the dead need to be remembered by those who are living or they will fade away for good. We have some special helpers to tell us about this scene involving Miguel, Hector, and Chicharron. Let's take a look. Miguel needed the guitar from Chicha to borrow it. So Chicha did not want to give them the guitar at all. His friend sing a song so they can have ball the guitar. Chicha disappeared and the reason why was that he was forgotten. So Miguel said that he would remember Chicha, but that wouldn't work because Miguel did not know him when he when Chicha was living. The memories get passed down by people that knew them when they were living. They tell stories about them, but Chicha was forgotten. No one was telling his stories. If you are not remembered, you cease to exist. At the Last Supper, when Jesus took the bread and cup, gave thanks and offered it to his disciples, he said, do this in remembrance of me. He's saying, remember me in this act. Jesus doesn't just say to eat and drink, but he says to eat and drink in remembrance. What does it mean to remember? 
It's more than just recalling something, more than just I'm trying to remember where I put my glasses. We need to break it down to its root, which means to remember, like in juxtaposition to dismember. I know that sounds sort of gross, but this is an important visual. I realize that you probably think of fingers and hands and legs being cut off when you hear the word dismember. And that is correct because the word member refers to a body part. There are some funny moments in the movie where the skeletons keep falling apart. They keep running into each other. And it's a reminder that in death, your body falls apart. Sometimes it feels like it's fallen apart even before death. So remembering is more than just recalling. It's about being put back together. Remembering is about being made whole. The Apostle Paul in this same letter to the Corinthian church talks about how the church is the body of Christ and Jesus Christ is the head of that body. Each one has an important part to play within that body with a unique role and function. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper and do it in remembrance of Christ, we believe that his presence is with us, and in that remembrance, we are connected to the story that gives our lives meaning and purpose and a future hope of resurrection and restoration where all will be put right and made whole. We remember not just as individuals, but as a community who live into our story of unity and connectedness to one another in and through Christ. In the scene of the movie that our helpers talked about, Chicharron was deeply sad because he wasn't remembered. He wasn't connected, and he became ultimately dismembered. Thanks be to God that Christ offered himself to us so that we might be connected to the God who loves us ultimately and so that we might be remembered to Christ's body, so that we might reflect and witness to God's goodness in this world. Jesus says in this act of communion, do this in remembrance of me. The third thing we learn from our text about the Lord's Supper is that it connects the individual to community. In the early days of Christian practice, the Lord's Supper was a full meal. People brought food from home to share and eat together to commemorate the meaning of Christ's death. The church that the Apostle Paul wrote to wasn't practicing this meal with the right spirit. Let's look at his critical words. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Paul was ticked off because this was supposed to be a community meal celebrated together. The rich brought more food and drink than, to these gatherings than the poor did, and the rich weren't sharing or being hospitable in this meal that was supposed to be an act of communion, of togetherness. This was not what Christianity was supposed to look like. Family was supposed to come first, not the individual. Let's be honest, this is hard for us in our individualistic society. There are selfish values alive and well within our nation and within our culture. Values that put me first and place the highest priorities on 
personal freedom, and personal comfort. And if we're honest, those values are alive and well within us. These are values which are antithetical to following Jesus Christ. And on a national and a local level, it's clear to see that those values don't do us much good as a whole. The Lord's Supper is supposed to be about grace and reconnection. It's about how Christ made room for you and everyone in God's family. Recognizing that we are a part of God's family beyond the self shows us our interdependence. It shows us our need for one another. When we receive our when we receive communion, our hearts should turn to the good of the whole community. If one is not whole, then none are whole. The apostle Paul goes on to say in verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. Yikes, this is serious. The word died is an idiom for spiritual and relational death. Paul is calling this church in to change their ways, to heal the divisions among them, class, race, and nationalities. The Apostle Paul invites the church to examine and judge themselves so that they might take the needs of the family, the whole community, into account as they remember what Christ has done for them. To do otherwise makes a mockery of this shared meal. We recognize that there is trouble, pain, division, anger, hatred, self-serving lust, deceit, arrogance, and pride in our world. How can the church, the body of Christ, be a witness of the God who is love if we allow those same divisions to exist among us? May we do all we can to heal what divisions exist between us in this community. May we do all that is within our power to care for those who are hurting, vulnerable, and with few resources. May we do all we can to right the wrongs we've committed against one another. May the flourishing of my neighbor be as important to me as my own flourishing. And may this serve as a witness to our watching world that we are a family and that our care for one another also propels us to care for our world and all those within it that struggle. The fourth thing we learn from our text about the Lord's Supper is that it connects your life story to the future. In our text, the Apostle Paul said, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The scriptures teach us that death does not have the final answer. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we have hope of a future resurrection. When God's promise to restore and make all things whole is realized. 
and Revelation, the last book in our scriptures, the moment of restoration and reconnection into a perfect relationship with our creator is described as a wedding feast. It's a party, a fiesta. And near the end of, end of the book of Revelation, the writer sees a vision of what that marriage of heaven and earth will look like. And the writer describes it like this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them. They will be God's peoples and God's self will be with them. God will wipe every tear from, the, from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Our movie Coco is a Disney Pixar movie. So you knew that there would be a happy ending. The final scene of the movie reveals the whole family singing and dancing together one year later at the next Dio de las Muertas. It's a party. It's a fiesta. And Miguel became a musician, but he did it with the blessing of his family. They found healing when they embraced the whole truth of their family's history. And Miguel helped reveal that truth to them. By the way, I didn't give away some of the best twists and turns of the plot so that you could be surprised by them if you haven't seen the movie yet. You're welcome. <laughs> well, the ending of this movie is hopeful and joyful. And so is the ending of the great story that we find ourselves in as Christ followers. Every time you partake in communion, you're connected to this great story and all those who are a part of it, past present, and future. No matter what this world looks like and no matter what you're going through, every time we receive communion, we're reminded of God's plan to make all things new, to restore and to make whole. As you receive communion there in your homes, may you hear Christ's voice in your heart saying, remember me. And as you sense Christ's presence, may you be filled to overflowing with love that spills out of you and into the lives of those around you so that you may be reconnected and remembered to one another. Amen.